Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, I, I'm not quite sure where to begin. There's a there's a lot to catch up on since we last spoke. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about Tottenham, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get on to the, the Spurs inquest, because I suspect we'll be ha- having a lot to say about them, uh, we'll start off with Arsenal, Jason. And I was led to believe that uh, Arteta had turned things around, that there was a resurgence, you were going to push for Europe. But But when I look at the table now, I see you're still 11th, could drop to 12th if Southampton win their game in hand. You're still five points behind Tottenham, despite all the struggles we've had. So I'm curious what's changed and whether or not you think you're still going in the right direction or whether things are still where they were when you mm. were right at his head a month or so ago. Mm, yeah, I um, I went back to just check the date of the last podcast and then I, I started looking at results. I thought, oh God, like literally our last podcast was the the last positive thing that happened to Arsenal, really. Um, and you mentioned about talking about some sort of Spurs inquest, and I think it's almost just as, almost as equal um, kind of justification to give one to Arsenal too, because, you know, that United nil-nil was a shame. We could have easily lost that, but I thought, you know, in previous years we would have been destroyed and it would have just been obvious a United win. So I'm very happy in a way. That point was okay, and in the context of the how we've been playing and a bit of momentum and that Southampton win, I was thinking, okay, that's fine. Um, but the Wolves game was a bit like, um, there's always a game in a season that you pinpoint and you say, that's where it just all went wrong. And it's a bit, it's nowhere near the level of severity that, of the Eduardo injury that year. And it's not like we're going for the title, but just, just in terms of like a turning point where you're like, oh, we look really good. Like this first half, like, Best I've seen us in years. Tick attack of football. Should have scored two or three. And then David Luiz goes and uh, gives away a penalty. And we lose the game throughout that. Um, and then Leno does play basketball. And it was just it was just calamity of errors after that. And I just, you know, you could say what you want about David Luiz. He's a clown and the decisions and everything. But it's just like, why Arsenal? Why? Why put us through that? Every time, these silly individual mistakes. It doesn't happen to every club as consistent, I think, as clubs at Arsenal. Just silly, clowny mistakes that everyone uses as a meme and, and brings back to you. Um, the hope was that that was a blip. You know, in my opinion, I was actually quite glad that David Luiz wasn't allowed to play the next game. We need to find a way to phase him out. And I hear the rumours that he might get a new contract, which will be you know, the biggest disgrace since uh, disgraces, I don't know. Um, and uh, it turns out it wasn't meant to be. Matt Ryan had a very good game, considering um, the first minute. Was just, I even missed it. I was on a training, and I just missed the game by one minute or two minutes. Turned on TV, I'm like, ugh, I should have turned it off. And I thought the Villa game would be like, you know, we're going to play like we did in the Wolves game. All is forgiven. And we had a good chance to win it. But obviously, Martinez came back to, to show us why we made the wrong decision. Um, and I think what's being brought up by the Arsenal fans is, well, if we're playing well and we're not getting results, uh, what is there to this team? And, you know, this is our full team pretty much now. And if party's injured again, we go back to excuses. But this team should be good enough to beat you know, at least half the teams in the league and and we're not. 
and that's a problem you know i can go into individuals but you know arteta is responsible for bringing willian at the end of the day he's accountable for getting that louise new contract he's accountable for deciding that that Aubameyang new contract needed to be that long and that much money um credit where credit's due pepe seems to be getting some momentum and coming into his own odegaard looks brilliant and he's only played like 30 minutes but you can tell you know you need to throw him in otherwise what's the point you know you've bought a better player than you have in for half a season we're not doing it to develop him we're doing it because we need a creative player and we haven't been playing with him so it, it's i'm not as dramatic as a lot of people but surprisingly um but when you look at these next six fixtures you know leads at home Benfica twice, whether they're, I don't even know if you can call it home or away anymore. Um, City at home, Leicester away, Burnley away. Lose all them. And, you know, I think we're looking at get rid of the manager in the summer and start again. Genuinely, I think that's that's the sentiment that Arteta's making too many mistakes with, you know, the older players. He hasn't really developed as many young players as we would have liked to. And... It just all looks a bit, the project looks like it's it's at a standstill. It doesn't quite look like it, it, it's developing and it doesn't quite look pragmatic for, for this Premier League era. So that's kind of where we are from, a, from an Arsenal perspective. And I think it's the expectations for me that I expected as an Arsenal fan. You know, we, we thought we were winning and I thought we we're going to go overtake Spurs and we're going to get into the top four. And, you know, we're, we're in it. We're looking good again. Forget the past. And that's what hurts. So now I'm starting to say, you know what, this season is a write-off. Let's try and have a Europa League Cup run to try and do something special. Probably won't happen, but let's be pleasantly surprised. And the league's a write-off, whatever. Just whatever. Enjoy the games. Blood the youth. That's how I would see it. And it, it's not enjoyable, you know, I just have to focus on fancy football, but I think it's the hope that kills you. And for me, this team isn't good enough. This manager isn't good enough. Um, you know, the whole COVID landscape has made everything a little bit worse. Uh, not more than a little bit. It's made a lot of things worse. And it's time um, to just let what is going to be going to be. But the positive is that I'm really enjoying watching Spurs have their annual collapse, and uh, I think you'd. I think uh, that that's where I pass my my ruler. For some reason, I'm holding a ruler, my <laughs> ruler microphone towards you, and, uh, and give you the open mic. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll pick up the ruler. Um, it's interesting hearing you you speak there. There's a lot of parallels between what what you've got to say about Arsenal and what I've got to say about Spurs, but. I'm, I'm glad you're finding some sort of solace in us because I, I've definitely been finding some solace and comfort in the fact that we're still better than Arsenal despite the the run we've been on. Um, I was before the Everton game. I was fully prepared to to come on this podcast and declare that I was now Jose out. But funnily enough, the five four defeats Everton, even though we lost and were knocked out of the FA Cup and conceded five goals, actually changed my mind on that, which might sound strange but i'll kind of talk you through what my thought process has been these past few weeks um the liverpool brighton chelsea defeats were some of the worst football i've ever seen spurs play and bearing in mind i mean i'm only 25 years old but i've seen some pretty bad spurs teams in my time you know the team that were bottom of the table with two points from eight games for example 
But even though it was only 1-0 defeats to, to Brighton and Chelsea, there were two of the most lifeless, unimaginative, uninspired performances I'd ever seen from a Tottenham team. That, that It was that lifeless that literally I, I didn't even feel anger or shame or embarrassment. It was more apathy. I was just sat there completely disengaged, disillusioned, just counting down the minutes until the game was over. And I mean, at least I suppose the boredom numbed the pain somewhat. But in some ways, that's even worse when the team gives you so little that you can't even you literally feel nothing. And what it showed as well was how much we'd become the Harry Kane team under Mourinho. Obviously, Kane went off injured at halftime with Liverpool game and it all fell apart that night. And then we followed up those performances against Brian and Chelsea. And some people might say, well, you've always been the Harry Kane team. But under Pochettino, we got to a Champions League final without Harry Kane. Under Mourinho, I don't know if we'd even get to a Johnson's Paint Trophy final without Harry Kane or Papa John's Trophy, whatever it's called now. We looked that just clueless without him. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, that in and of itself would be bad enough, the, this over-reliance on Harry Kane. But the fact of the matter is, if you actually look at our season and this collapse from being top of the table in December to now eighth and 14 points off top, that hasn't all just come about because Harry Kane was injured for a few weeks, which would be bad enough if that was the case. It, it stretches back further than that. And I actually went back and I looked at all of our results since we beat Arsenal 2-0 to go top of the league. And since then, the only teams we've beat have been Antwerp in the Europa League, uh, Stoke and Brentford in the Carabao Cup, uh, Marine and Wickham in the FA Cup, and then in the Premier League, Leeds, Sheffield United and West Brom. It's so one, one newly promoted team and two teams who are about to be relegated. Anytime we played anyone half decent, we've either drawn or lost. So Wolves... Um, Palace, for example, drew 1-1 after scoring early, then dropping deep and conceding late equaliser. Wolves drew 1-1 after scoring early, dropping deep, conceding late equaliser. Fulham, 1-1, scored early, <laughs> dropped deep, conceded late equaliser. You can see a pattern emerging here. Liverpool lost twice to them, home and away, despite the fact that everyone's beating them now. Lost to Brighton, lost to Chelsea. Now you can include Everton last night as well. Um, so really, this has been going on for quite a long time, and it's been with Harry Kane in the team as well as without him. So taking all of that into account and all the stuff behind the scenes with Delhi and now with Bale, it looks like, and Mourinho kind of swiping at the press again and all the negative football. I was looking at all of that and thinking, do you know what? If they announced tomorrow that Mourinho was sacked, I wouldn't be unhappy about it because it looks like, you know, Leopards don't change their spots. He's the same guy. This is following the same script. It's going to end the same way. And is the potential of a Carabao Cup really worth it? Then we got to the Everton game and we played some of the, the best attacking football I've seen us play all season. And we did a lot of it without Harry Kane. He didn't come on until the second half. I know he, he scored the goal to make it 4-4, but what it showed was, OK, actually, we can play um, attractive, you know, exciting attacking football without Harry Kane. And, and we, you know, we, and, and even though, OK, we beat West Brom 2-0. But I felt better about the performance against Everton than I did against West Brom, even though we lost the Everton game and won the West Brom one, which might sound crazy. But just the way we played was so because, you know, West Brom, OK, well done. You, we, we beat West Brom beca purely because Harry Kane was back in the team. But going away to Goodison Park, scoring four goals, playing as well as we did, I thought, yeah, actually, no, that there is something here. But what it proved was that 
whether we play on the back, because people said the reason why we conceded all those late equalizers and the defenders kept on making individual mistakes was because of Jose's tactics. And we played so deep and so defensive and put so much pressure on the defense that eventually they'll make a mistake. Whereas against Everton, we played on the front foot, we played attacking. And yet individual errors, again, the same old play, it's similar to what you were saying with, with Arsenal, the same old players making the same old mistakes. And what it reminded me was something that I'd also thought all along, but kind of downplayed was that, our defenders are simply not good enough. It doesn't matter what style you play, defensive, all-out attack. It doesn't matter what manager they're playing for, Mourinho, Pochettino. They make the same old individual errors. And, I mean, I was shocked to hear in the, the commentary on BT that we've got the second-best defence in the league after City. I heard, I heard that. And I thought yeah. that was us. But I think, obviously, the other day has changed that. But, yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah, which shows, right, that... Clearly, you know, they're clear there must be some good organisation and coaching structure there to be the second best defence in the league, unless everyone's just as bad as each other this year. But what I mean, what happens with our defenders is when it's, it's when they're one on one, it's when they have to make a decision that they constantly make a mistake. And if you look at it, honestly, how many other teams, not just in the top six, but in the premiership with Dyer and Alderweireld and, and Tanganga and, and Joe Roden start for and Davinson Sanchez? How many, you know, I look at Burnley's defenders, Brighton's defenders. They're, be- they're better than us. And you can say that's because of the whole structure and how they're coached. But I'm looking at them as individuals, one-on-one, comparing them. I'd rather have most other central t- other teams' central defenders than ours. And I think what it proved is something that I was starting to think anyway before the Everton game, which is that you, you could change the-, the manager and get maybe more entertaining, exciting matches like we've got against Everton. But at the end of the day, the result's the same. We lost by one goal the same way we lost to Brighton and Chelsea by one goal. Okay, it was better to lose by scoring four than by scoring none. But at the end of the day, the result's the same. And that made me think, okay, well, look, getting rid of the manager might make us feel a bit better in the moment. But ultimately, as long as we've got defenders of this, you know, because under the last season, under Poch, the goals we conceded, it was a relegation level defence in terms of the number of goals conceded. And what we've got is we've got a world-class attack, but a championship level defence in terms of how they play and the goals they concede. And until that's fixed, I don't think it really matters who the manager is. And what style we play, because I think these defenders have shown time and time again that they're not good enough. And what it showed was that in the summer, we really missed a trick by not going out and signing someone like Ruben Diaz. You know, you can talk about, you can say, well, look, isn't it surely it's still the manager's fault you concede five goals. But look at what a mess Liverpool were before they signed Van Dijk with a manager as good as Klopp, a manager as good as Guardiola. But look how much City have been transformed by signing Ruben Diaz. At the other side of the pitch, Bruno Fernandes at United. Individuals change games, they change teams. And until we have a proper top quality centre-back, I don't think we're going to achieve anything, regardless of what style you play. Now, you can question whether or not Mourinho is the man you want to rebuild the squad. But I think what's clear is that it's not just a case of of the manager holding us back, as I thought was, as I was starting to think would be the case, but the squad as well. Whereas beforehand, I was thinking it was kind of 60% on Mourinho, 40% on the squad going into the Everton game. Now I think it's more kind of 60% on the squad and 40% on Mourinho. I still think Mourinho's made mistakes. I still think there's question marks over whether you would trust him to overhaul the squad. But I think looking at a game against Everton where we we got the attacking football that we were craving and yet the defence was still all over the place, I think it's hard for me to say Jose out the way I thought I was going to be before that match took place. I don't know if any of that made any sense. It probably sounded like a very contradictory rant, but that's kind of where I'm at with Spurs at the moment. I don't know whether any of that kind of struck a chord with you. Mm. I 
don't know because I guess when when you were saying about the entertaining football being that attraction, I suppose drawing parallels when Arsene Wenger teams were playing that amazing football and they weren't winning anything, that was furious to us. All we wanted is to win. And I remember even in the Unai days when it was a bit bland, we were winning games. I was like, thank God for that. We're, we're finally getting through games. Um, but, but I guess playing devil's advocate here, yeah, uh, you, you've, you've mentioned about you know your defenders not being up to scratch, but to concede five at Goodison Park, I mean, blimey, I mean, it happens. There are these freak games and we've been there and, and we've done that, I suppose... I don't know. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind actually was that um, I'd be happy to swap you with David Louise. Uh, maybe, maybe for Deli Ali, we can we can take him and nurture him. I, I I understand the reasoning, but it but it it feels quite micro, short term that because we know Jose can't do it. He can't do that kind of football long term. It's just not in his nature. That's a one off. That is a one off. In a you know maybe at the beginning of the season, but arguably that was a Son Kane show first uh, couple of months of the season. So maybe that's a blueprint for what Spurs fans want for the, for the for the next manager. But the truth is, yeah, you can play all that football and score the goals you want and think, mm, very good, but no reward at the end, except the memories. I'm not so sure. You know, is that, is that what the Spurs fans want? You know, I don't want to go on a mac- macro rant and start, you know, asking you whether Jose should be sacked now, although I have an interesting stat for you, actually. Um, but, you know, if you look again, if you lose that League Cup final, and I certainly don't think at this stage you're Europa League favourites. I mean, the only reason I think you're even mentioned as a potential favourite is because of the manager's history in it. I think uh, the way you're playing, I think you could maybe not go out to this random team you're playing next week. Um, but certainly after that, there are good teams in there. Um, and, you know, you get to end of April I'm thinking your manager's out the door and maybe some of your star players as well and it's it's not I mean from an Arsenal point of perspective I was so happy to see you out the FA Cup because even if you win the League Cup I'll be like well we won the FA Cup and that in terms of the rankings of trophies you know we all say it goes Prem Champions League Europa League FA Cup League Cup that's that's what I would argue although maybe you could argue try and argue that League and FA Cup are on a parity um, I don't think I'll, I'll um, believe you on that. And if you say that, I'll just say, well, then the Community Shields and parity <laughs> with them as well. Um, but yeah, interesting stat, actually, I want to feed in. And, and I read it out loud to someone just before because I'd done it. I thought it was really clever. And then the reaction was like a bland face of what on earth are you talking about? So I'm sure I'll hear silence and you'll just be like moving on. Um, I, I did some research about Jose Mourinho's last game in charge for each of the clubs he's managed. And it was really, I just found it really interesting. So the, the first part of his career, so when he was at Porto, his last game was that Champions League winning game against Monaco 3-0. So he went out on a high. Then that Chelsea spell, um, his first one, they just sacked him after the first game of the season in the Champions League qualifier. It was one all against Rosenborg, so forget that. Then it was at Inter his last game, again, winning the Champions League final um, against Bayern, a 2-0 win, so he knows how to leave on a high. Then for Real, again, a win, 4-2 against Osasuna. So all these clubs had, you know, he had decided, I suppose, that he was leaving, and at the end it started to get worse. 
I thought what was really interesting was United and Chelsea, these last two, or Chelsea United rather, the the Chelsea job, his last game was away to Leicester, losing 2-1. Um, his United uh, job, he lost uh, 3-1 to Liverpool away on the last day. And I suppose where I was going with this is, if we want to continue the pattern, will Jose be sacked after a 4-1 loss away to City? <laughs> well, I, I was genuinely the other week thinking about this is before the West Brom game where things were looking really bad. And I was thinking, you know, if, if, if we lose to West Brom and then go out of the cup and then get thrashed by City, then I think Mourinho will get sacked on Sunday, the 14th of February. We'll get sacked on Valentine's Day and there'll be all the headlines about Spurs and Mourinho break up on Valentine's Day. And then because I, I was looking at the fixtures thinking, oh, you know, and then the new manager coming in would have, what, West, West Ham, Burnley and Palace as his first three fixtures. You know, that's a kind of potentially a, a nice start to get. Good start, good it. start for Rafa. Well, yeah, already how. Um, oh, no. But, uh, like, genuinely, that was where my mind had gone. And then, you know, we beat West Brom and, okay, we lost to Everton, but, you know, we put on a show. And, I mean, with City, I can, part of me thinks back. Do you remember when we lost uh, 6-0 away at City and it was one of the last games under AVB? I do. Part of me thinks we, <laughs> we could be in for something like that. But then the other part of me thinks, you know, maybe I'm mad to think this, given everything I've just said, but I could still see us pulling off a result somehow. I mean, we beat them 2-0 at home, I know that was a different city and they're in a, a very different mood now. They're looking unstoppable. But, I mean, you know we're just going to go there and park the bus. And, and who knows, maybe we we nick something. I don't know. But I can't see him being sacked after the City game unless it's a real kind of double figures thrashing, which if we mm. defend how we did the other night, I wouldn't rule out. I think the only way he gets sacked is when, is if things really fall apart. But I think the Everton game to me also showed that he hasn't lost the dressing room the way we thought he might have done. I don't think you get a, a performance like that constantly coming back and coming back if players aren't playing for the manager. Uh, I think the only way his job's under threat, serious threat f- from within the club, is if we miss out on Champions League next season. Uh, you know, if we come to the end of the season without having either finished in the top four or won the Europa League, then I think Levy will have a serious decision to make about whether he wants to double down with Mourinho and, and back him in the in the transfer market. Although you know, we'd have to sell before we can buy because no Champions League two seasons running behind closed doors football with COVID. There's not going to be a lot of money to spend um, or whether he thinks he wants to change gears and, and go for a manager who's going to be happier to potentially work within those financial constraints and who's going to be better at developing the younger players and getting the best out of the, the squad as it is now. I mean, if it was up to the fans, I think most of them would sack Mourinho today. But I think within the club, there's a desire to support him and and to see this through. And I mean, is winning a League Cup enough if we finish eighth and don't have Champions League football next season? I I don't think so. I don't think that's enough to convince players like Kane or Son to stay at the club. You know, they they want to be playing in the Champions League. And and like you said, okay, yeah, winning a League Cup it, it ends the trophy drought, but it's hardly the like you said, of all the competitions we're in, it's the least prestigious. So for me, and it's already interesting in his press conferences to see Mourinho start pivoting towards this, the Europa League now takes on huge significance because, um, I mean, I agree with you that I don't think we're, we're favourites for that at all. But I think that is a trophy that does carry a lot more 
you know, obviously it's not as big as the Champions League, but it carries a lot more glamour than the League Cup. It means more financially. I think it's more of a sign that you're going in the right direction mm. than winning a League Cup. Um, so that for me is is the one that I think will be, I mean, if we win our game in hand, we're only one point off the top four. So in the league, you know, it's still all to play for. But and the way Liverpool are going, who knows, maybe United or Leicester could drop out. But then you've got Chelsea being resurgent. You've got Villa and West Ham doing well. So I think it'd be really interesting to see now where our priorities lie between the league and the Europa League. But if we lose to City and then lose or only draw to West Ham, which could happen as well, I could see all of a sudden our season all becoming about the Europa League and, and that really being make or break for Mourinho. And I suspect similarly, maybe even with Arteta at Arsenal as well, based on what you were saying earlier. Well, I was, uh, before we get into all that jazz, I mean, you were speaking about a few players and I've written down three players' names here for Spurs that I had questions on. The natural one is obviously Bale, because God knows what's happening there. Um, Deli Ali, I just, again, it's like you have an insult that you can't start in this, like, you know, in a, like whenever else is he going to start if he doesn't start last night? Like the poor guy looks... He looks like he's aged 10 years, uh, based on all this debacle. And I had a question mark about Lloris, because obviously his reputation is unbelievable internationally, and he's your captain, and he say he makes good saves. But what he did last night with that kind of weird palm into his own net, I'm sure I've seen him do that quite a few times. And I, I don't know, I just wonder whether, whether medio, medio, mediocrity at Spurs is kind of accepted it's like Aurea it was like oh we're done with all and I, I agree it's like with Arsenal you know Shaka, David Luiz no no be nowhere near the club and Willian but how many more times are you going to let these players kind of make key mistakes and have this kind of stinking culture of mediocrity and just accept it as what it is you know you're I see ourselves as you know a big club if you're a big Premier League club who have been in Europe you know, you don't have to settle for, for average. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think when it comes to the back line, we have accepted mediocrity. I mean, Joe Roden, I think, was the first centre-back we've signed since Davidson Sanchez back in 2017. Um, you know, we let Vertonghen go, didn't really replace him. Aldo Viral, who signed up to a new contract, which I think, in retrospect, was a mistake. I think we should have tried to sell him and bring in someone else who's more at their peak rather than declining the way he is now. Um and yeah, Lloris does make too many mistakes now. And I think this summer I'd be looking to move him on and try and buy Nick Pope. Wow, um, huge, huge goal. Because again, I don't think he's going to get any better. And and he's always, I mean, he has been a very good goalkeeper for us and he, he does pull off some spectacular saves, but he, he, he does make more mistakes than people realise. And he won the World Cup, but, he, but people forget, he, he made a huge howler in that World Cup final. Um, but I think France were already 4-1 up at the time, so mm. it didn't really matter. So everyone kind of forgot about it. Um, but, you know, that could have been really costly if if the score, if they hadn't basically already won the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd completely overhaul that back line. I mean, Tanganga and Roden, they're young, they're up and coming. I think they will be good centre-backs, but obviously they, they shouldn't be the ones you're relying on at this moment in time. I think Alderweireld's finished. I think Sanchez, okay, he scored two goals last night, but he basically let in two or three at the other end by constantly losing his man. Uh, I don't think he's developed the way we expected him to. Yeah, Aurier, 
makes too many mistakes. Um, Doherty doesn't seem to have settled. Uh, ben Davies, I think, is the uh, kind of the poster boy of accepting mediocrity. And no disrespect to him, he seems like a nice a nice guy. I don't want to get too personal with individuals, but let's be honest here. Not like your manager. He well, yeah. But let's be honest here, he's he's a six, seven out of ten at best player, right? And if you're a team who has genuine aspirations of titles or Champions Leagues, like I said, tell me which other top six side Ben Davies starts for. None of them. None of, you know, he wouldn't even start for Aston Villa or West Ham at the moment, I don't think. And, you know, he's not a bad player, but it's just, yeah, it's this. When you've got Harry Kane and Chung Min Son up front, to then have these sort of players at the back, it's just... The, you know, the, there's no balance there. I think in our squad, outside of Kane Son, I'd say only Ndombele, Hoiberg and Atapush Region are the only ones who I think are actually... That was, that was a very Flemmy Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah, that, that was quite uh, accidental as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, uh, the Flemmy Hoiberg. But yeah, so basically on Lloris, I agree with you. On Deli Ali, I agree with you. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought Mourinho was justified in dropping Delhi. We were better without him, but you see how much we've struggled since. Uh, and you can't say that he doesn't deserve to get into this team. And, and now that he's failed to push him out of the club, he has to reintegrate him. With Bale, to be honest, I don't know what to think. I think only he knows what's going on with him. Uh, clearly, there's issues regarding his fitness. And I think his perceptions of his own fitness what Mourinho was saying about him kind of asking to mm. have a scan and it I don't know whether psychologically there's something with him now where he doesn't quite trust his own body anymore uh and it, it's been really hard as a fan on, on the outside to to get a handle on on where he's at because we've only seen him play in very small bursts against you know not high caliber opposition so i i don't really know where he's at i think only he and Mourinho and people on the inside really know what's going on with him i think it's clear that that loan isn't going to last beyond the end of this season i still have dreams of him scoring the winning goal in the carabao Hmm. cup final uh and if it does happen then we'll be saying it was a great success but yeah bale vinicius both of those loans seem like a waste of time um doherty i think I'm not sure what's going on. I think he he seems to have struggled a bit. I mean, you look at that. We thought we had a great summer transfer window. Mm-hmm. Only only Flemmy Hoiberg um, and Region. Those are the only two signings that have worked out well. And Region's injured at the moment, which is why I go back to the thing about the squad. I mean, it's basically the same team by and large that we've had for the past few seasons now. The same players that made individual mistakes all the time under Pochettino, and, and now the same under, under Mourinho. Which is why I kind of go back to the having to improve at the back. I mean, if I go back to the, the summer transfer window, I'd say, look, as exciting as it was at the time, don't bring back Bale. Don't even bother with Vinicius. I know we all thought we needed a sub-striker at the time, but you didn't play him when Kane was even injured. Go out and, and spend whatever um, Inter Milan want for for Milan Skriniar or, or go and try and gazump City for Ruben Diaz or something. Go and sign a centre-back because that's what we need and that's what we're going to need to be signing in the summer. And I think that's what's holding us back. I think a proper centre-back and we're probably still in the title race. But without it, I, I can't even see us finishing top four, which is some collapse considering where we were. Um, not to say that another manager couldn't be potentially getting more out of this squad. But yeah, like you said, I think for too long, when it comes to recruitment, we've let things stagnate and accepted mediocrity at the back, despite having world class at the front. You know, we needed a, a 
a defender who's good at defending as Harry Kane is at attacking. And if we don't do that, if we don't balance the team out, then what reason does Harry Kane have to stay? I mean, I like to think that he'd like to stay to become Spurs' all-time top goal scorer, but we all know how big a fan he is of uh, the NFL, and, and he's always, like, as you highlight, conveniently injured whenever it's a Super Bowl. His, his sporting idol is Tom Brady, and Tom Brady just went and won his seventh Super Bowl, and crucially, I think, went and won it with a different team to the one that he'd won all his previous ones with, almost to kind of prove that he could do it somewhere else. And if that's Harry Kane's sporting idol, is he really going to be happy not winning any major trophies or only winning a Carabao Cup? No. So if we want to keep him, we need to win something big and we need to fix the team. And yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of things that came up there. I mean, first off is this kind of thing about, you've been talking about the defence and how you have all this amazing tack and this rubbish defence. And it reminds me of how with Arsenal, we'd always be like one player away We'd be like, we just need to sign a centre-back, we're going to win the league. And then Van Persie leaves or something, a striker leaves, and then you sign a centre-back. But then you're like, but now we don't have a striker, money for a striker, we don't have a striker. And eventually you'd get the striker, but then you're right back would leave. And it's never quite the perfect team. Um, and then something else that just came up is, well, it's, it's just about Harry Kane, because I just thought he would be the perfect, perfect candidate for Man City. Honestly, the way they don't have a very good... Um, striker rear I mean it's just it's okay but the kind of way they play and because of the way Harry Kane's adapted and can play this kind of hybrid midfield attacking false nine scoring goals role I mean I just think working under Pep almost guaranteed to win trophies why not stay in England what do you reckon I think, I mean, yeah, I think he would be, you know, if I was Man City, he would be at the top of my list. I think the only thing that saves us in terms of keeping Kane is, is I, I simply don't think, particularly given COVID, that um, I don't even think Man City could afford him. I think they could get, you know, because even though they've got all this big money, they don't really spend, you know, 100, 150 million on a player. I can't mm-hmm. really remember City spending more than, what, 60 million maybe on a Yeah, it's true. That's what I've always thought that. Because their players on paper are good, but when you think about what, what Man City was supposed to be, I thought they were going to be Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, but they never quite do it. Yeah, so I, I just don't think, and particularly, you know, given his age now and the number of injuries he's had, Mm. I just think a lot of clubs in a, in a post-COVID climate are just going to think, look, yeah, we'd love to have him, but you know that Levy's going to want a record-breaking fee for him, and we just can't justify that and afford that at this moment mm. in time. So in a way, I think that's what potentially saves us with both Kane and Son. I just think we might have priced, priced them out of the market, particularly given what's, what's going on at the moment. But Is, uh, he, is he the modern-day Shearer without the Blackburn title win? I think he is. Yeah, I think and he is going for Shearer's record, isn't he? For Premier Goalscorer. I, I think that is Shearer is probably the best comparison for Harry Kane in terms of goal scoring record. And, and yeah, I mean, I just hope that we can. Uh, it'd be such a shame if he gets to the end of his career. And I mean, we came so close to winning a Premier League title and so close to winning a Champions League. And you feel like those are the trophies that, that he deserves. And it will be he'd go down as one of the, the best players ever to have not won. I mean, there's this whole thing about Gerard never having won the Premier League with Liverpool, but at least he won the Champions League. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think, as, that's why I almost, pri- I mean, yeah, 
any cup is, is good at this stage. But that's why I think something like the Europa League is bigger than, you know, I'd, I'd accept it if we ended up finishing 10th or whatever, but win the Europa League, that's almost, I mean, not quite worth it. But I mean, that is the bigger trophy for us now to win and, and to go mm. for, because that is something. And that is, uh, gets us back into the Champions League and, and has more prestige around it. And, but yeah, I think he, uh, he could very easily, if he stays at Spurs, end up trophyless and it just be individual. I mean, maybe they will go and win the Euros with England. Who knows? But uh, maybe he'll be more of a, you know, international, one of the rare players who achieves more internationally than with their club in terms of trophies. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's something I can get behind. Um, on a lighthearted note, bear with me, I have a little game for you, Fancy. Um, so the light heart, the, the, the boiling to be lighthearted is because the context is that Spurs have lost the last four games in five. <laughs> so there are four things I want to do and I'll read, I'll outline you now and then we can go back. So I would love for you to please describe to me four words to describe Spurs right now, three players you'd like to get rid of, two positive things about Spurs. And most importantly, one decision you would make if you were chairman right now. And you had a midnight deadline. So, number four, could you please tell me four words to describe Spurs right now in your eyes? Four words to describe Spurs right now. Um, oh, God. Um, let me think. I was going to say unpredictable, but when I was listing all of those one ones earlier, I think we have actually been quite... Um, predictable rather in our play um, unbalanced I think is definitely one we seem to either have all out attack matches or all out defend and we can't seem to, to strike a balance so unbalanced um, stag- stagnating I think we're, we're n- we haven't progressed really under Mourinho when you look at it in this past year and I think a lot of that is because of what I said earlier about recruitment that kind of accepting of mediocrity uh, explosive in ways both good and bad. I think we're still with Kane and Song capable of incredible moments up front, but then we can absolutely uh, poo the bed at the back. Uh, so unbalanced, explosive, stagnating, and um, what, was, what would be the fourth one? What would be the fourth one. Well, That's think... it. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. I was going to say uh, the number four reminds me of the amount of goals you scored last night without winning the game. Well, yeah, no, and that is pathetic, to be honest. Scoring four goals and not winning is <laughs> pathetic. So, yeah, pathetic, unbalanced, stagnating and explosive. It's a good uh, advert for a fan wanting a new club. <laughs> so three players you'd like to get rid of. I mean... It... Can I get rid of more? I mean, I'd love to get rid of more than three. Um, <laughs> Make it 30. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sizoko. I'm wow. sorry. Uh, You're a hero. Well, you see, again, I don't want to go into harsh on individuals, but is it really a coincidence that our huge downturn going back to under Poch to now started when he became a first-team player? I mean, he works hard. He seems like a lovely guy. He does a, a very specific job very well. But let's be honest, he, he can't tackle, he can't pass, and he can't shoot. <laughs> And those are three pretty important things. That sounds like that sounds like Shaka 2.0. Um, and 
I mean, I used to be such a big fan of Harry Winks, but after last night, that was one of the worst substitute appearances. He came on and he literally gave, gave the ball away every time he touched it, one of which led to their fifth goal. And then our last basically shot of the game, it came in from a corner yeah. and it's one of the worst shots I've ever seen. And, and people have been wondering why he's not in, in the team. Um, who else would I get rid of? Serge Aurier. I mean, I feel bad saying that one because he's been one of our best players this season, but that in a way helps exactly. That says a lot. <laughs> and he's still un- unreliable. Like, mm. I'd get rid of him and try and sign Max Ahrens or something, you know, build towards the future. Um, some Sanchez, I'd, I'd sell. <laughs> I'd have Virel. I could give you a Cedric Sarez in, in, uh, <laughs> as a I swap. Did, I, did actually, I should have thought about this earlier. I do actually have a list on my phone of ins and outs when I was oh. kind of daydreaming the other day. And under out, I've got Okay, I've got Lucas and Lamella here. After last night, they did play well, but I had Suzoko, Lucas, Lamella, Vinicius, Aurier, Alderweireld, Lloris, <laughs> and Bale after the end of this season. I which, mean, uh, quite a lot. I, of I, I, I asked the question the other day to another friend who supports Spurs, and I said, "Who's got more of a legacy at Spurs, Lucas Mora or Gareth Bale in terms of legend state status? Because technically, Mora, most like dramatic, important moment of your modern history." Yeah, I actually, I actually do think it's more because that moment is going to be played in the stadium and played on Forever. compilations and stuff for years to come. So, yeah. It's like um, moments that precede unfortunate events. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But like, yeah, so maybe more will come back in 10 years and they'll all get excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it say a lot that Unai Emery sold more to Spurs? He was, he was one of our own all along. <laughs> Uh, so um, two positive things about Spurs. I think you can muster them up. Uh, Harry Kane and Jungmin Son. Fair enough. Um, and the one decision you'd make if you were Daniel Levy, sitting in your chairman chair right now, what would you do? What would you sign up on? Your executive order. I would say... I thought you were about to say sack then. Well, if you'd asked me that question last week, I probably would have said sack Mourinho. But now I think I would say, right, in the summer... I'd say to who you know, Steve Hitchin or whoever it is, get us the best centre back you can, and I will pay whatever upwards of ten million plus uh, Kyle Walker Peters on loan or something. No, um, it would all be about getting you know. Find me our Virgil Van Dyke would be the the instruction. Whether or not it would be successful based on our our current recruitment record, I doubt. Well, or maybe that's it replace the recruitment team i don't know get in uh go to leicester and go i'll give you 100 million for your recruitment team and hope that they can sign us the the wesley for farmers and uh, uh all the other players they've bought over the years who have been better than our players love it i was thinking about doing this myself because i haven't i haven't really thought about it this four three two one um, what, what would what would you do for them? I don't know. Well, the context really gets lost about why we're doing four, but we've probably we've probably lost four games in the last little while. Apparently, we've lost like this is the most we've lost more than we've won or something stupid. Um, so four words to describe Arsenal right now: um, confused, old. Just thinking about Willian, the like, um, disjointed. And cloudy. It's just no clarity on anything. Three players to get rid of. That's easy. 
Willian, Shaka, David Louise. I'm going to say a fourth, Aubameyang, not far behind at this rate. Um, two positive things to say about Arsenal. Better than it has been, but that's not saying much. Um, and I'm going to slightly cheat here. Smith, Rowe, Saka, Tierney, Party. That's the other positive thing. There's, <laughs> there's a core there that some a good manager could do something good with it. Um, we have to talk about it another time, maybe, but Lacazette's just driving me insane. Like, it's like going backwards, and he's just, you know, it used to be so exciting with Alba and Lacquer up front, and now it's just like, it's like a waste of a man. I just get someone exciting. Like, they're all saying how well he's playing. I'm like, not really. Like, scoring a few tap-ins, and like, part, like being false nine, a waste of time. We don't need a false nine. Get a proper striker in there. Um, and one decision I would make if I was chairman right now, I'd sack Mikel Arteta. Oh. That's, that's one decision. And the second decision, well, I don't get a second decision. I'm, st- I'm stuck. I'm stuck with Per <laughs> You can't, can't wish for more w- wishes. I, I'm stuck with Per Mertes. I could promote it from the academy. So. Uh... Well, actually, that's an interesting question because I want to ask you, we, we've both kind of, you've said sack Arteta. I've uh, openly flirted with the idea of sacking Jose Mourinho. If Arteta was to be sacked, who would be, and maybe we could both do this, who would be your choice to take over at Arsenal? Oh, God. Because, you know what, it does become about what's realistic. I was thinking about this last night, how we should have taken Ancelotti. God help me. And it should have been Arteta. A new coach should have tested it at his, his worst um, old club, not Arsenal. <laughs> um, Dream world, I'd take Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Swap it back with Arteta in a realistic world. I don't really want a Vieira. I don't want another le- legend. I think... I just don't know. I actually don't know. I actually don't know. Maybe Brendan Rodgers, I think, is the only one that potentially if Leicester failed off and, and he wanted to move to London and he fancied a, a bigger club challenge... In, in the historical sense of things and, and that type of manager someone who's been there done that knows the league and um and can take us to another level how about you well you've you've taken the words right out of my mouth we're going to be <laughs> fighting over brendan Rodgers. <laughs> i think he would be my choice as well i mean I, I was in such a, a negative spiral about jose the other week that i was literally i think it was more talking myself into thinking that they were good candidates but i was thinking you, you know you know you know what benitez and eddie howe wouldn't be the worst in the world you know because they're the ones who are out there and available going backwards um, but definitely brendan rogers for me seems in many ways the ideal candidate he knows the league he improves players plays good football seems to have got better as a manager he's won stuff and i think he would I think he would do very well. The other one who everyone talks about all the time is Nagelsmann. Mm. Whether, you know, potentially a gamble because he's he's not managed outside of Germany. Will he adapt to the league? He's still young, all, all of that. But I feel like there's a very high ceiling there for him. Mm. And he, he could be really the next big thing. And has, he won, has he won anything? I don't think so. I mean, he's been at Hoffenheim and RB Leipzig. So, mm. but then again, you know, you feel like, I don't know, it almost seems like his reputation, he could already get a job at like City or Real Madrid, but yeah. you feel like maybe he'd want to go to a club like Spurs or Arsenal where he'd have more, you sense that at Arsenal and Spurs, he'd have maybe more freedom to kind of implement his ideas 
than he would at those clubs where there's mm-hmm. maybe more politics and more player power. Um, but I don't know. I feel he's the kind of exciting gamble, whereas Brendan Rodgers is the more kind of sh- sure thing. Yeah, I think you you know I think it's a case of when the, our clubs are in the Champions League because I don't think you know Ancelotti's an exception. I don't think many managers want to like big managers want to go to clubs in the, that's in the Europa League kind of at a crossroads in their history as such. And that's as you've said time and time again. You know Arsenal is it getting too late to bring in those Allegri types and things? I think probably yeah. I think we need we're going to need to get someone who's like a you know, what Arteta should be or should have been, um, someone who can, like, go so above and beyond that the club is in a position where people take notice. But I don't know if he's the man to do it. Well, Brendan Rodgers, if you're listening, get in touch and let us know who you'd rather manage, Arsenal or Tottenham. Yeah, we're happy to actually interview you on the uh, on the programme as well. Yeah. Whew, I think we've both uh, got everything out of our system there. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Can't remember the rest of the lyrics. No, that's what you'd be singing to Mikel Arteta right now if you were in charge of Arsenal. He says I'm not. <laughs> Takes out phone, tweets. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> Good. No. <laughs>